0: Chapter twenty one of the Money Moon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Money Moon, a Romance by Geoffrey Farnell. Chapter twenty one of Shoes and Ships and Sealing Wax and the Third Finger of the Left Hand. So Bellew took up the paper. The house was very quiet, for Small Porges was deep in the vexatious rules of the multiplication table and something he called Joggery. "'Anthea was out, as usual, and Miss Priscilla was busied with her numerous household duties. "'Thus the brooding silence was unbroken, save for the occasional murmur of a voice, "'the jingle of the housekeeping keys, and the quick, light tap-tap of Miss Priscilla's stick. "'Therefore Bellew read the paper, and let it be understood that he regarded the daily news-sheet "'as the last resource of the utterly bored.' Now presently, as he glanced over the paper with a negative interest, his eye was attracted by a long paragraph beginning. At St. George's, Hanover Square, by the Right Reverend the Bishop of Sylvia Cécile Merchmond, to his grace the Duke of Ride, K. G. K. C. B. Below followed a full true and particular account of the ceremony which, it seemed, had been graced by royalty. George Bellew read it half-way through, and yawned, positively and actually yawned, and thereafter laughed. <laughs> "'And so I have been in Arcadia only three weeks. I have known Anthea only twenty-one days—a ridiculously short time, as time goes, in any other place but Arcadia, and yet sufficient to lay forever the, er, uh, haunting spectre of the might-have-been.' "'Lord, what a preposterous ass I was! "'Baxter was quite right, utterly and completely right. "'Now, let us suppose that this paragraph had read, "'To-day at St. George's, Hanover Square, "'Anthea Divine, to—' oh, "'No, no, confound it!' "'And Bellew crumpled up the paper "'and tossed it into a distant corner. "'I wonder what Baxter would think of me now, "'good old faithful John.' "'The haunting spectre of the might have been. "'What a preposterous ass! "'What a monumental idiot I was!' Preposterous ass isn't a very pretty word, Uncle Porges, "'or continental idiot,' said a voice behind him, "'and turning, he beheld small Porges, somewhat stained, "'and bespattered with ink, who shook a reproving head at him. "'True, nephew,' he answered, "'but they are sometimes very apt, "'and in this instance particularly so.' Small Porges drew near, and, seating himself upon the arm of Bellew's chair, looked at his adopted uncle, long and steadfastly. "'Uncle Porges,' said he, at last, "'you never tell stories, do you? I mean, lies, you know?' "'Oh, indeed, I hope not, Porges. Why do you ask?' "'Well, cause my Auntie Anthea's is fraid you do.' "'Is she? "Hm. Why?' "'When she came to tuck me up last night, she sat down on my bed and talked to me a long time, and she sighed a lot, and said she was afraid I didn't care for her any more, which was awful silly, you know.' (laughs) "'Yes, of course,' nodded Bellew. "'And then she asked me why I was so fond of you, and I said, "'Cause you were my uncle Porges that I found under a hedge. And then she got more angrier than ever, and she said she wished I'd left you under the hedge.' "'Oh, did she, my Porges?' "'Yes. She said she wished she'd never seen you, and she'd be awful glad when you'd gone away. So I told her you weren't ever going away, and that you were waiting for the money moon to come and bring us the fortune.' And then she shook her head and said, "'Oh, my dear, you mustn't believe anything he says to you about the moon or anything else "'cause he tells lies.' And she said lies twice." "'Ah! And did she stamp her foot, Porges?' "'Yes, I think she did. "'And then she said "'there wasn't such a thing "'as a money moon, "'and she told me "'you were going away very soon "'to get married, you know.' "'And what did you say?' "'Oh, I told her "'that I was going too. "'And then I thought "'she was going to cry, "'and she said, "'Oh, Georgie, "'I didn't think you'd leave me, "'even for him. "'So then I had to explain "'how we had arranged "'that she was going to marry you "'so that we could all "'live happily ever after. "'I mean, "'that it was all settled.' YOU KNOW, AND THAT YOU WERE GOING TO SPEAK TO HER ON THE FIRST uh, OPPORTUNITY. AND THEN SHE LOOKED AT ME A LONG TIME AND ASKED ME, WAS I SURE YOU HAD SAID SO? AND THEN SHE GOT AWFUL ANGRY INDEED AND SAID, HOW DARE HE? OH, HOW DARE HE? SO, OF COURSE, I TOLD HER YOU'D DARE ANYTHING, EVEN A DRAGON, CAUSE YOU ARE SO BIG AND BRAVE, YOU KNOW. SO THEN SHE WENT AND STOOD AT THE WINDOW, AND SHE WAS SO ANGRY, SHE CRIED and i nearly cried too but at last she kissed me good-night and said you were a man that never meant anything you said and that i must never believe you any more and that you were going away to marry a lady in london and that she was very glad cause then we should all be happy again she sposed so she kissed me again and tucked me up and went away but it was a long long time before i could go to sleep cause i kept on thinking and thinking supposing there really wasn't any money moon after all supposing you were going to marry another lady in london you see it would be also frightfully awful wouldn't it terribly dreadfully awful my porges but you never do tell lies do you uncle porges no and there is a money moon isn't there (laughs) why of course there is "'And you are going to marry my Auntie Anthea "'in the full of the moon, aren't you?' "'Yes, my Porges.' "'Why, then, everything's all right again. "'So let's go and sit under the haystack "'and talk about ships.' "'But why ships?' inquired Bellow, rising. "'Cause I made up my mind this morning "'that I'd be a sailor when I grew up, "'a mariner, you know, like Peter Day, "'only I'd prefer to have both my legs.' "'You'd find it more convenient, perhaps.' "'You know all about oceans and waves and billows, don't you, Uncle Porges?' "'Well, I know a little. "'And are you ever seasick, like a landlubber?' "'I used to be, but I got over it.' "'Was it a very big ship that you came over in?' "'Oh, no, not so very big, but she's about as fast as anything in her class, and a corking sea-boat.' "'What's her name?' "'Her name?' "'repeated Bellew. "'Well, she was called the... uh, "'Sylvia.' "'That's an awful pretty name for a ship.' Hmm, "'Hm. So-so. "'But I have learned a prettier, "'and next time she puts out to sea we "'will change her name, eh, my Porges?' "'We?' cried small Porges, looking up with eager eyes. "'Do you mean you take me to sea with you? "'And my auntie Anthea, of course?' you don't suppose i'd leave either of you behind if i could help it do you we'd all sail away together wherever you wished do you mean said small porges in a suddenly awed voice that it is your ship your very own oh yes but do you know uncle porges you don't look as though you had a ship for your very own somehow don't i you see A ship is such a very big thing for one man to have for his very own self. And has it got masts and funnels and anchors? Lots of them. Then please, will you take me and Auntie Anthea sailing all over the oceans? Just so soon as she is ready to come. Then I think I'd like to go to Nova Zembla first. I found it on my geography today, and it sounds nice and far off, doesn't it? It does, shipmate, nodded Bellew. "'Oh, that's fine!' exclaimed small Porges rapturously. "'You shall be the captain, and I'll be the shipmate, "'and we'll say aye-aye to each other, "'like the real sailors do in books, shall we?' "'Aye-aye, shipmate!' nodded Bellow again. "'Then please, Uncle (laughs) Por—' "'I mean, Captain, what shall we name our ship? "'I mean, the new name?' "'Well, my Porges—' "'I mean, of course, shipmate—' "'I rather thought of calling her—' "'Hello. Why, here's the sergeant.' Sure enough, there was Sergeant Appleby sitting under the shade of King Arthur, but who rose and stood at attention as they came up. "'Why, Sergeant, how are you?' said Bellew, gripping the veteran's hand. "'You are half an hour before your usual time to-day. Nothing wrong, I hope?' "'Nothing wrong, Mr. Bellew, sir. I thank you. No, nothing wrong, but this—' "'Is a memorable occasion, sir. May I trouble you to—' uh step behind the tree with me for half a moment sir suiting the action to the word the sergeant led bellew to the other side of the tree and there screened from view of the house he with a sudden jerky movement produced a very small leather case from his pocket which he handed to bellew not good enough for such a woman i know but the best i could afford sir said the sergeant, appearing profoundly interested in the leaves overhead, while Bellew opened the very small box. "'Why, it's very handsome, sergeant,' said Bellew, making the jewel sparkle in the sun. "'Anyone might be proud of such a ring.' "'Why, it did look pretty tidy, in the shop, sir, to me and Peterday. My comrade has a sharp eye, and a sound judgment in most things, sir, and he took a deal of trouble in, in selecting it. But now—' "'when it comes to giving it to her, "'why, it looks uncommon small and mean, sir. "'A ruby and two diamonds, "'and very fine stones, too, sergeant. "'So I made so bold as to uh, come here, sir,' "'pursued the sergeant, still interested in the foliage above, "'half an hour before my usual time uh, to ask you, sir, "'if you would so far oblige me—' "'As to hand it to her, when I'm gone, sir.' (laughs) "'Lord, no,' said Bellew, smiling and shaking his head. "'Not on your life, sergeant. "'My man, it would lose half its value in her eyes "'if any other than you gave it to her. "'No, sergeant, you must hand it to her yourself, "'and, what's more, you must slip it upon her finger.' "'Good Lord, sir,' exclaimed the sergeant, "'I could never do that.' (laughs) "'Oh, yes, you could.' not unless you stood beside me-a force in reserve as it were sir i'll do that willingly sergeant then perhaps sir you might happen to know which finger the third finger of the left hand i believe sergeant here's aunt priscilla now said small porges at this juncture lord exclaimed the sergeant and sixteen minutes afore her usual time yes there was miss priscilla her basket of sewing upon her arm, as gentle, as unruffled, as placid as usual. And yet it is probable that she divined something from their very attitudes, for there was a light in her eyes, and her cheeks seemed more delicately pink than was their wont. Thus, as she came toward them, under the ancient apple-trees, despite her stick and her white hair, she looked even younger, and more girlish than ever. At least the sergeant seemed to think so, for As he met her look, his face grew suddenly radiant, while a slow flush crept up under the tan of his cheek, and the solitary hand he held out to her trembled a little, for all its size and strength. "'Miss Priscilla, ma'am,' he said, and stopped. "'Miss Priscilla,' he began again, and paused once more. "'Why, sergeant!' she exclaimed though it was a very soft little exclamation indeed for her hand still rested in his and so she could feel the quiver of the strong fingers why sergeant miss priscilla said he beginning all over again but with no better success goodness me exclaimed miss priscilla i do believe he is going to forget to inquire about the peaches the peaches repeated the sergeant yes uh, priscilla and why "'cause he's brought you a ring,' small Porges broke in. "'A very handsome ring, you know, Aunt Priscilla, all diamonds and jewels, and he wants you to please let him put it on your finger, if you don't mind.' "'And here it is,' said the sergeant, and gave it into her hand. Miss Priscilla stood very silent, and very still, looking down at the glittering gems, then, all at once, her eyes filled, and a slow wave of colour dyed her cheeks, "'Oh, sergeant,' she said very softly, "'oh, sergeant, I am only a poor old woman with a lame foot, "'and I am a poor old soldier with only one arm, Priscilla.' "'You are the strongest and gentlest and bravest soldier in all the world, I think,' she answered. "'And you, Priscilla, are the sweetest and most beautiful woman in the world, I know.' "'and so I've loved you all these years, "'and never dared to tell you so because of my one arm.' "'Why, then,' said Miss Priscilla, smiling up at him through her tears, "'if you do really think that—oh, why, it's this finger, sergeant.' So the sergeant, very clumsily, perhaps, because he had but the one hand, slipped the ring upon the finger in question, and Porges— Big and small, turning to glance back as they went upon their way, saw that he still held that small white hand, pressed close to his lips. End of chapter 21